Hello, and welcome to another episode of Resting Batch Face, the only reality recap podcast where when we send out an Instagram statement apologizing for our actions, we're apologizing that we couldn't edit my dog out of the podcast <laughs> audio. I am Dan Paul, joined here as always by my good friend Gwen Kirby. And Gwen, do you have any deeply apologetic statements you would like to make? Not yet. I mean, the the day is young, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. I spent two hours this morning doing a feminist book club, and now I'm ready to talk about reality television. Yeah, that's quite a pivot. Quite a pivot. So I bring up um, Instagram apologies because this episode, and by episode I mean multiple episodes, because this is the world we live in. This episode had so much drama that it launched four to five different Instagram apologies from various people involved with said drama. It's quite something. And we're not, we're not going to go chronological really. We got to get right into the big drama. It's going to be a little more recap heavy than usual, but our listeners, especially those who did not watch this nonsense deserve to know. So we're going to start with Brendan, Natasha and Piper and the nine-stage process that they went through of producing drama this episode. They started, I'm calling this phase zero, just <laughs> just so everybody remembers where these people are. Brendan and Natasha have been hanging out on the beach, been giving each other roses, and there was a little bit of drama three weeks ago or something like that where there was a rumor going around that Brendan had been hanging out with somebody named Piper outside of the show before the show started, But Brendan assured her that that was just casual. They were just a couple of camera whores hanging out and that there was nothing to worry about. Okay, phase one, pre-Piper. So Brendan and Natasha are having a conversation just about general instability on, I was about to say the island. This is not an island. This is Mexico. I constantly call it the island. No, but it does make me think of that. That Simpsons where Lisa is having the dream in the future where she's sentenced to a lifetime of torture on Monster Island. And they say, don't worry, it's just a name. And then she's running from giant lizards breathing fire. And she says, I thought it was just an island. They said it was just a name. The other person says, actually, Monster Island is really a peninsula. Anyway, the point <laughs> is, they're hanging in Mexico and they're talking about how other people here are maybe like just using other people to get roses. They're making statements that they don't necessarily believe. And Brendan posits, this is not him. Quote, I'm not a manipulative person. And not to compare ourselves to other relationships, but the way we are together, goofing around, hanging out, having a good time. That's why I want to be with you. Phase two. Piper arrives. Piper is holding a date card. Deandra starts narrating the backstory. We get some flashbacks to that day that they were all talking about the rumors about Piper and Brandon. And I have to say it's sort of delightful and sort of reminiscent of Downton Abbey. Just the way that like all of these people who are not actually related to the action are just sort of like downstairs narrating the drama of what's going on upstairs. Natasha even asks Brendan real quick something about this. And again, he just says, we hung out a little bit, super casual, and quote, I've had deeper conversations with you than I've had with Piper. Before we get to phase three, is there anything you want to interject here, Gwen? Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sure Piper will be very happy to see him say that on national television right now. Um, mostly during phase phase one, we get a really good look at 
how bad Brendan is at lying. He's not a good liar. His face um, gives it away and he does not come across as tremendously bright. And again, though, it's this particular kind of grossness where he's like saying, I'm just not a good liar. So obviously I couldn't be lying because look at me. I'm just Captain Normal Pants. <laughs> when, as you pointed out, like when we were talking about this, like week one, when I was like, "Is does Brendan suck? And you're like, no, maybe not. Because, you know, but he is, it's worth noting, right? Like, he's a model. Like, he is a fuckboy. The fact that he was sort of sweet on Tasha's season or got a sweet edit should not detract from that. You know, my beef with Brendan is not that he is about to ditch Natasha for Piper. There's a way to do it and a way to not do it. And they really do a great job doing it the wrong way. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Phase three. Phase three. Now, it's worth noting, again, for those of you who don't watch the show, which is... Not the worst move. <laughs> when these people show up with date cards, typically the protocol is that they have some conversations first before deciding who to take on a date. Piper does not do this. Mm-hmm. Piper does not pull anybody. She simply asks Brendan, do you want to go on a date? I will say at this moment, Marissa, who is starting to become just one of my favorites, I think because she's <laughs> so she's so comfortable in her relationship with Riley with small exceptions that we probably won't even have time to get into for this episode that she's just like kind of hanging out watching the goss and drama for from other other people and she's just like whoa and she is like the the voice and the face of the fan base that's been really great and i i don't know that we're gonna that we're gonna get to it but i I gave the statler and waldorf award to deandra (laughs) riley and marissa yes (laughs) i will say i'm gonna say deandra and Marissa or Statler and Waldorf and Riley is just a slightly stupider Muppet because he had he had this kind of just like dawning comprehension kind of vibe during a lot of this. I mean, he gets the Don Quixote Award that we'll get to later, calling out people for their lack of honor. But um, but yeah, they were a delightful narrative trio. Just I sitting, them sitting so much. in the pool. Okay. Anyway. We're still in phase three. No, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) And this, I I have to say, like, I don't know what this says about me. I don't know what this says about this show. I am pleased as punch to be here chronicling (laughs) what took place last week. All right. So again, Piper pulls nobody. She just asks Brendan on a date. Natasha talking heads. This is everything I have feared. Brendan, and this is the first... I'm not even going to say this is the first betrayal of Brendan, but this is the first time he switches into like damage mode. And he's just like, obviously this is a surprise. And as if he's like trying to explain like what's going, he only just two seconds ago decided to go on a date with her. I guess the whole reason to be here is to find our person. So I guess I'm going to go on this date. And it just made me think of the end of the hot dog car sketch on, I think you should leave where he's just like, I guess if this, no one wants this car, I'll take it. This is the portion of the program where we find out that um, Brendan does not know the definition of the word coincidence. (laughs) He keeps being like, I mean, it's just like a coincidence, you know, like 
I'm here on this random beach. She's here on this random beach. Like, am I right? And it's like, no, what Brendan. The- what are you? What are the odds? Very high, Brendan. A hundred percent. And this is already like this is not. We're not yet at the apotheosis of Natasha's skeptical faces, which this episode is just a piece de resistance for. They're incredible. But Brendan's like, I, you know, I have a connection with you, and I have a connection with her. You know, we hung out a few times and it's like, there's one, like two ways this could go between me and you and two ways this could go between me and her. And it's like, what I found striking about this was given how obviously rehearsed and planned it was, he sucks at this. I mean, he's terrible at it. He looks so like caught, like, like he's like a three-year-old who you found with like their hand in the bag of marshmallows. But he has like I I don't know I'm I'm very confused. But this was like this was the most foreseeable aspect of any of it. You should have a rehearsed thing to say. No, I think he does, and I think that's what this is. And so I just think bad. he sucks at it. So this is a small moment where I have to ding Natasha. Though I have more macro questions about Natasha that we can get to once we complete this entire eight stage recap. But she says. Why would you start something with someone knowing you had another person in your heart? It's like, are you vaguely aware of how Instagram works? Yeah, I mean, that's, they lose me there. We'll talk about it more. Everyone kind of has their moment where they're like, I don't understand why, you know, why would anyone come here if they have it? Like, obviously, yes. But as you say, there are protocols to be observed. And Piper has already broken the first protocol. So. James here has a moment, and I have to say, James, for those who don't really watch, just a reminder, he's the Hitler Youth haircut <laughs> guy who spent some time in a box um, on Katie's season. He's growing on me a little bit as an idiot. And so he has this moment where he's like, so he just came, she just came in and like just asked him on the date immediately. And it's like, do you guys think it's a red flag? And it's like, homeboy, you are like three episodes behind everybody. <laughs> Like, no one else, like, clued him into the gossip on the beach. They're just, like, they, like, forgot he was here. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, James, you remember hearing about this, right? And he's like, what? Yeah. Actually, James and Grocery Store Joe are both in competition for what I'm going to refer to as the Army Chris Award. But this is going to be explicated later. So that's what we in the professional industry refer to as a tease. (laughs) Okay, phase 4A. So they're on the date, but I have to break the date into two phases. So Piper is narrating, basically confirming everything that Brendan tried to deny. Piper's like narrating to the camera, I'm hoping to pick up right where we left off. And Brendan is basically acting like a crazy person. Like he's saying to her, like, you know, obviously we don't have a relationship. Like... And she's really confused about this. And she's like, I mean, I'm here for you. I'm trying to understand the disconnect. I don't understand why we're talking like we've never met. I need more of the real you. Which gets us to phase 4B, which basically Piper, and the game theory on this we'll get to, and as always the question is like, are they stupid or are they stupid like a fox? Like, she has now forced Brendan to say things out loud that he's trying to pretend are not true. And so phase 4B of the of this whole saga the second half of the date is just a pure brendan heel turn obviously there are certain things i had to do i can't have a girlfriend on paradise nobody would have kept me i'd have gone home quote i was navigating this in a way to allow myself to potentially be here when you got here 
which is literally what Natasha was saying she was worried was happening, what Brendan was saying had not happened, and what Piper now forced him to say. And it made me think of a fantastic exchange on Deadwood between E.B. Farnham and Swearingen, in which Farnham says, you used me as a pawn, Al. And Al says, and you fucked up the game is the central fucking present issue. And it's like, I really don't understand what Piper's doing. Like, does she not understand? Do you think that, like, sorry, I'm like, I can't even talk. Like, she forced him to give up all of the lies that he said that he that he was trying to hold on to. I found this inexplicable. Genuinely inexplicable. And I thought maybe it would make more sense when I watched it a second time. But he literally, he sits down with her and he's like, I am now telling you what I've been telling everyone on the beach. This is what I need for you to go tell everyone on the beach after this date. And she's like, I don't understand. We're dating. You met my parents. You know, like, it's like, what? No, like, and he's just like, Piper, girl, like, don't blow up our spot. And she just, she won't let him. And so then he, then he goes, as you say, full heel turn. But I was, I was truly baffled, like, she has to know the premise of the show. Like, how does she imagine that he's stayed here all this time if he wasn't exchanging roses with someone? This this sequence, though, I mean, everything from the music, from that he's, like, wearing black. I mean, it's straight up, like, the moment in a horror movie where, like, the the there's just the the villain reveal, the betrayal reveal. I mean, like, they were drinking red wine. Like, there was a very vampire vibe to the whole fucking thing. <laughs> It was... You'd be as sexy as a vampire. Apologies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. No, but it was it was really surprising. I've literally been saying on the podcast since episode one that this guy is stringing Natasha along until Piper gets there. I mean, I literally gave him the, like, you kissed her the way you would kiss your sister at gunpoint award last episode. Like, I didn't think I was going to be surprised by any of this, but the way they handled it was so terrible. That I was gobsmacked. All right, phase five. So we're back on the beach. And at this point, Brendan and Piper are just a straight up thang. So they're like, it's the next morning. They're just hanging out on a day bed together. She's got pigtails now. And everybody is narrating. James, again, just like dumb as a box of fucking rocks. I just want to know if there was something established before they got here. It's like, (laughs) buddy, everybody else knows that. And then Riley is saying... How do you think Natasha is going to feel? And then there's just this amazing cut. And DeAndre's response, betrayed. Betrayed. And then we get music and we get Natasha walking with just a dope-ass hat. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of like a Panama hat, but it's got a longer brim. It's like a safari hat, but it's woven. It's uh, it's a fantastic hat. Yeah, that was when I gave her the Inspector Gadget Award because I felt like <laughs> she was like fucking, she was like, it's time for me to put on my fact-finding hat. She just like fucking rolls out. I'm a person who wants to go to the source. Okay, now as Natasha is walking on the beach, burdened with glorious purpose, Brendan and Piper are talking and and Brendan leans into, I guess, well, the editor slash Brendan lead into the heel turn. I can only imagine what everybody thinks of us. Giggle. Oh, how they're inseparable now. And Natasha approaches the daybed. And this is where you know she means business. She pulls Piper. Yep. She does not pull Brendan. And DeAndra, Marissa, and Riley go, they literally go, dun, dun, dun. 
I fucking loved them. I was like, let's just have them sit by the pool and narrate the whole rest of the season. Like, this is incredible. They need to be the next hosts. Like, I don't need C-list celebrities. So Natasha gets her clarity from Piper, where Brendan had said they had hung out a few times before Paradise. Piper's like, we hung out 10 times. And this is where Brendan really just does his worst shit. Mm -hmm. He's narrating like talking to somebody else or talking to the camera who knows while Natasha's talking to Piper and he's like, whatever. She had zero prospects, meaning Natasha. Yeah. How actually dare you? I was so offended and so shocked. Like it's one thing if you and Piper were already dating, but you wanted to come on here and like, you know, as we say, sell more yogurt. I got no issue with that, but to be like, she was a sad charity case that I was like being kind to that bitch has class to spare. Like she did not need you. And I just, Oh, I was so offended on her behalf. What a fucked up thing to say. Why would you say that? And Natasha again is talking to Piper. She's just like, did you think of yourself as a couple? And Piper again, just zero concept of the game that she has entered. She's like, Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. She was just like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and, and then we get Natasha's face just serving us like, what the fuck with these it's people? Like, it's like in Arrested Development when Ron Howard is narrating and it's like, and Michael decided to do some detective work. Hey, T-Bone, <laughs> did you did you burn down the storage factory? And T-Bone just like, almost definitely. Almost definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically what Piper is doing here. Yes. And then we cut to Piper and Brendan joking about how they will look back at this and laugh. Okay, phase six. Natasha confronts Brendan. And it is just a clown college of bullshit. And it frankly, frankly, like, you know, I, I I went back and forth. I hemmed and hawed as to whether to like write the word gaslight on my notes. But it's in it's in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And here again, remember the things that he said first. He's like, I've had conversations with you I haven't had with anybody, including Piper. Like the way we've been hanging out together is like kind of like is why I want to be with you. And now now he's like, Yeah, there were moments I thought this could grow into more than a friendship. But it was never intimate or romantic in any way. I specifically said I don't feel this way about you on a romantic level. And she's just throwing faces. I mean, she's throwing Gwen Kirby in fucking like, <laughs> like comp training class fucking faces. And, and then he says, I guess you decided to have selective hearing. That's like the worst ass moment. That is I, – so I have all these quotes written down too. He says, like, he was super clear that they were only friends. And Natasha says, you didn't say that. And then he says, well, no, I didn't. But, you know, and then, yes, then he says, I think you have selective hearing. And I have written in all caps underneath it, murder your face. (laughs) Because I was so angry. I'm like, bitch did not have selective hearing. And, like, and again, I didn't write down gaslighting. But... That was some that, I mean, let's just say it was that bullshit adjacent. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing about him. Again, like, reminded of this moment in Get Shorty where um, Travolta and Gene Hackman are driving and Hackman's trying to ask Travolta a favor and Travolta's like, are you trying to say that you fucked up without sounding stupid? Because that's a really hard thing to do. And like, Brandon is really trying to have this shit both ways where he's still this like, sweetie pie, but he's doing this dick bullshit. But it slips sometimes. So like, you know, she's being like, this sucks. Cause like, you know, I would have, 
I would have explored things with other people, but I thought we had a connection. He says, what would you have explored? And I'm just like, dick? Like, bitch, you're telling me that like nobody would have been up on Natasha? Are you drunk? Like, are you serious? I've been sitting his single ass on that beach right now. Like, there are, like, like, there are so many other people she could have explored a connection with. Oh, man. Great Natasha line again, though. I mean, it's more fun. Obviously, you should talk about Brandon being a dick. But, I mean, Natasha is the winner of this episode. We'll, we'll talk about the various ways. But, like, there's this moment, right? And, and Brennan just casually throws in, like, yeah, you know, I guess we did hang out a couple of times. And she did come to Boston. Oh, yeah. Which is where he's from. And Natasha's like, she came to Boston? And he goes, I don't think that has much to do with the core of the issue. And she says, Brennan, the core of the issue is that you're a liar, Boom. Burn, baby, burn. And Boom. then it's this motherfucker. I don't think anything I did got in the way of you making any connections. With all that said, the time we shared, I did enjoy. And then Fuck she just you, says, she just said it was bullshit. Facts. And she was, and she was wrong. So again, Natasha handling this like a queen. Phase seven, the the <laughs> fallout. Phases. <laughs> There's fallout from this. So Tia is narrating, saying that they're there for the the Instagram follows. And then we even get clips of them, like, literally talking about them getting more Instagram hits. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, how do you feel about this as a viewer? Like, the show being so kind of meta when you have, like, this goes beyond just vague, here for the wrong reasons discourse. And is literally, like, referencing the fact that they're trying to get clout, or as Natasha called it, the clouty! The clouty! <laughs> I don't know. I, like, how did you feel about the kind of the show being so refer- self-referential? Oh, one, I look forward to trying to figure out how to edit that incredibly loud, you know, cloud T right into the mic. That's going to be, <laughs> it, listeners, if I just blew your ears out, that was Dan's fault and not, not the editor's fault. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I don't mind it. I don't mind it being meta. I think... I, I would I would be upset if it took over the show. And now you'd be like, it already is the show. That's why they're here. Like, yeah, okay, that's true. But but I don't I don't need to like hear about that all the time. Like I, I do want to watch them like throw their cakes in the fire and make out and find love and all that kind of shit. But I don't mind it as like 10% of my show. I just don't want it to become like the whole show every season, if that makes sense. Yeah. We do get some good, we get some good fallout from this in which, so Grocery Joe, maybe it's the power of social media that people are scheming and making plans. And I have to say, it's a beautiful moment in which Grocery Joe discovered social media. And this is where he gets the Army Chris Award. So for those of our listeners who don't know this story, um, we were in class with uh, this guy named Army Chris. So we're in class and this other guy, we're talking about Blood Meridian and this guy says, you know, does anybody else think that, you know, maybe McCarthy is trying to make a statement about heteronormativity on account of all the sodomy? And for those who have not seen Blood Meridian, suffice it or read Blood Meridian, suffice it to say, said sodomy is not consensual. No. And Army Chris, in this moment, is just pure discovery. Says, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't think rape is is about sex. I think it's about power. And the rest of us just kind of like watched in this moment as Army Chris discovered the patriarchy. And I have to say, Grocery Joe's discovery of social media and the idea that some people might potentially be making decisions on this reality show because of social media was was equally exciting to me. I love Rook. I love him. I love his pure heart. 
He's just there to find love, to be friends with people, to be adorable. And I thought that was all very cute. I enjoyed Grocer Joe. One last Natasha quote, and we're now out of phases. And we'll just kind of, well, no, there's a, there's a, one final phase. Natasha's, what she says is to Brendan, not to him, but to the camera about what he should have done. Just be a man. Be like, I like this girl. She is Bay. I'm about to go home and wife her up. I love that. They should go. And this is, this begins what is a theme of this episode, which is impromptu tribal councils, even though we're not on Survivor. Yes. Just the idea of like the the community trying to just be like, they should go. All right. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we have a tiny moment there at the end of that where she's talking to Ivan and she says, I know that's your boy, but you have to admit that's fucked up, Ivan. And Ivan been, doesn't say anything. He kind of giggles and kind of like looks to the side. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that's going to be the theme of what happens next, which is just basically Brendan and Piper are well-liked by a lot of these people. And, you know, Chris and Alana are nobodies. Indeed. So phase eight, though, I do kind of want to have this conversation specifically with Brendan, Piper, and Natasha. Phase eight has to do with what happened after the episode aired, mm, which yeah. was just... First, Brendan was trying to lean into it on Instagram. Like he posted something on Instagram where he was like joking. He said, I'm here for the wrong reasons. Uh, Piper posted something about like, it's great television. And then they each lost tens of thousands of followers and immediately then posted like deeply apologetic posts about how they hadn't thought about their their actions. Whereas Natasha, I understand, has gained like 50,000. Maybe you're like a... Way more than that. I mean, I think, so, I think, I think last I saw Brendan had lost, like, 200,000 followers. And (laughs) she'd gained, I think, nearly that many. I will say, I don't follow any of these people on Instagram, and I followed her on Monday night out of (laughs) solidarity. I mean, as they say in the game, right, fuck around and find out. I guess my question is even, like, what the fuck was his yogurt game theory anyway? Like, was it just like, we need to spend time on Paradise and that will help us? And they and just like, he didn't think at all that he would look shitty for the way that it came off? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, he's a, as you said, he's a male model. Um, he like, you know, models fucking turtlenecks and whatever on Instagram. <laughs> and, you know, he thought, oh, I'm going to keep my name in the game, go on Paradise, increase my followers, yada, yada, yada. And I don't know, I, for some reason, he did not think this would backfire. But again, like, if they had, like, everyone knew he was going to leave Natasha for Piper. If he just hadn't been such a huge dick about it, none of this would be happening. And admittedly, that's partly on Piper, too, right? Like, Piper rolled in being like, I'm in love with Brendan, y'all! Woo! And, like, that was that was not yeah. a great way to do it. But But, you know, he didn't have to be like, where she was my pity project and you know like like that was all fucked up he didn't have to condescend to and gaslight her like that here's the question and it's really this comes to down to your sense of cynicism but like how much of her naivete do you believe like because she's acting like she was straight up blindsided and like obviously she won this whole exchange and she won it huge so like how much of, of this is sort of, do you think, was a calculation on Natasha's part that she was actively going to sort of play the victim and she was going to win? And maybe zero, maybe zero. Like, I like Natasha. I like her hats. I like her facial expressions. 
Um, but I'm curious, like it, it played out so well for her yeah. and she's obviously like smart, not just smart and savvy in general. She literally has like a podcast about reality TV. Like she understands the game and she just fucking won the game huge. Yeah. I feel like there are like kind of two different threads of that for me. Like, I think if you're talking about like Natasha on the show, I think knew perfectly well that Brendan was going to leave her for Piper. I think she was participating in that storyline. I think that that was pretty fine. And, you know, and part of participating in that storyline is being sad when it goes south and stuff. But I think that she did not foresee, just as I did not foresee, how egregious it was going to be. And I have to assume that that, that she probably didn't even realize how egregious it had been until she was watching the show. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they say on Mike that she would not have yeah. been there to hear. And so I do feel like, like, yeah, I think she thought, like, oh, Brendan is going to leave me. But I think she assumed that, like, they would all kind of stay in their lanes, right? They would all, they'd all follow protocol, that she would get dumped in the protocol fashion, which would be embarrassing, but not too embarrassing, you know, like, kind of fine. And instead, like, they went out of their way to humiliate her. Yeah, And so I, I, I don't know. So I, like, you know, was she playing the game with him? Yeah, absolutely. You know, then they stopped playing the game. Let me ask you another question in terms of just pure, and I mean, maybe there's only one answer, but in terms of just pure satisfaction as a viewer, who do you, is there anybody besides Natasha you wish he had tried to run the shit with? Ooh, good question. I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know if there is anyone else he could run this shit with with in the same way like to like you'd be like like i'd obviously like to watch demi like murder him to death but like <laughs> demi was never gonna stick with someone for three weeks yeah, and you're only right. have a pack on the you know so like yeah there's people i would have loved to watch like blow his shit up but in terms of like handling it like a classy ass inspector gadget yeah. badass like it was only gonna be that's natasha really, that's the hat by the way i love I that mean, hat not that you need this affirmation from me. This is something you already know, but you are way better at describing hats than I am. And it's, you're, it's, it's an integral part of this podcast that I appreciate you. I thank you so much. I can't wait for, I hope we get to run some hat game on project runway. Fingers crossed. For sure. For sure. It started on temptation Island with Erica's. I love all her different hats. Hat. All right. Hats all right. Incredible. All right. So, yeah. What's weird is that this is somehow not the only incident of this type that happened this week. So we need to get into the saga of Chris, Jacinia, and somebody y'all have never heard of if you don't watch the show named Alana. Or Alana, or just like, Alana, not going to work here anymore. <laughs> so we begin the second episode with Titus Burgess mm-hmm. um, from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is now the new host. And he announces there's going to be a, quote, VIP party, which some of the people are going to be able to go to and others are not going to be able to go to. Um, for the moment, we'll, we'll see if we have time to loop back on a, some of these sort of tertiary plot lines. For the moment, it's just important to know Jacinia and Chris are going to this party. Jacinia, you'll remember, had previously been with Ivan, but then Chris showed up and said, I'm here for Jacinia. And he showed up with Chasen. They were smoke bros, nonsense, whatever. Yep. Anyway, and uh, the middle school dance has gotten out, so the venue is now available, and they go to this party. Right, and there are there are I will say just briefly there are a lot of people who are talking about kind of being 
not feeling great about not going to this party, particularly Mari, because Kenny is going to the party and so is Demi. And it just, it reminds me of Dwight Schrute at the dinner party episode. No. Like, Am I upset about not being invited to Michael's dinner party? And then he just starts crying. Okay. Gwen, I, no matter what, I mean, we obviously have to get to Chris and Jacinia, but we do need to take some time for you to shit on this VIP party in a way that only you can. This shit was embarrassing. Like, I've seen high school gyms that are dressed up better than this fucking gym. There's, like, I don't know, like, a glowy mat on the floor. But it's not even the size of, like, the whole floor. It would be like if you put, like, a couple Dance Dance Revolutions in the middle of, like, a concrete floor. Some, like, big glowy bouncy balls. And an empty stage that this poor woman later has to, like, pretend to lip sync on. It was terrible. And I feel like they're, like... I, well, one, I loved the cast members' reactions. They were like, oh, wow, it's like a club. Like, they were just like, this is terrible. This is so dumb. And then the producers clearly, like, made them pretend to have fun. So there was, like, someone who was, like, doing the worm on the ground while everyone just stood there and stared at them. And then there was, that was Demi, Riley. Riley. And then Demi, like, kneeling on the floor, shaking your booty. The producers were just like, look, you guys need to pretend to be having fun. And I feel like that was when the producers were like, well, shit. This is really lame. We're going to do something that we usually don't do on this show. And it's time for shots, 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 shots. Because I like they don't usually do shots. And this show has been very, a lot less drunkenness for a number of years okay. now. There was like an incident back in the day that like went really wrong in Paradise. And people got really drunk and it was really fucked up. So they kind of stopped doing that. And I feel like they were like, oh my God, this party really blows. Like we got to bring in the tequila. So we'll loop back to that because that actually kind of is going to be relevant. So some VIP quotes, and again, forgive me that y'all can't see my finger quotes here, which are just basically other former single women who had been on seasons of The Bachelor yep. show up, one of whom is named Alana. And Jacinia immediately is like a little irritated to see her. And she's like, Ugh, like uh, that girl threw herself at Chris quote in San Diego, which I have to say, it's always pleasing. Anytime San Diego is referenced, it seems to be a hub. Yeah, I know. I know. I do. Yeah. So it's just, it's weird to me that you're not plugged into that scene. That's anyway, and Chris, sorry, eye rolls that you can't see. He just says to Jacinia, literally he says, BRB. Oh my God. He goes and he hangs out with Alana. And then he has just this super awkward conversation with Jacinia, who had been his whole world up until this point. And it's just like, you're such an amazing girl. And she is also starting to roll her eyes immediately. And about 30 seconds later, he's having a giant makeout sesh on the dance floor with Alana. And Jacinia is understandably upset by this and walks out. I guess my quick question here is like, do you, do you give him any dispensation that like you think he's just wasted? I because do they're just like giving them all this liquor. I do think he was drunk. Although I think so like the way it plays out is I don't think he's that drunk when they like when the ladies arrive, right? Yeah. And so he he does immediately pull Alana Alana whatever. I'm not going to work here anymore. Like to the couch and like starts making out with her pretty much immediately, right? So like just as you know Piper did not follow the protocol like those two did not spend more than a hot 2 seconds before making out i don't know that he would have been sucking her face on the dance floor if they had not been drunk but maybe that's just me giving chris too much credit but i don't know we then we get a lot of we get a lot of um vicarious chivalry going on like people like 
James and Aaron and Riley about how this is just inappropriate. See, I really, this touched my heart, I will say. Just just Riley touched my heart. Because I think, like, <laughs> say what you want, but, like, what Riley is upset about is he's like, yo, like, you are disrespecting my girl, like, with your tongue stuck down that other woman's throat on the dance floor. And he's not saying, like, oh, like, you shouldn't pursue another relationship or, oh, whatever. He's just being like, that is bad disrespectful. And I happen to agree with Riley. And then he says really hilarious things like, he's a man with no honor. <laughs> which, it, was I love- it was actually, I was literally thinking about like, I'm, I, I, I'm not a Shakespearean. I can't claim that I could write this, but it was making me want somebody to write a play that is a reality show written in Shakespearean language. And so there's a moment basically when like somebody, you know, accuses somebody else of biting their thumb <laughs> at the fucking at the fucking boom, near the boom boom room or something like riley getting like legit chivalrous i did i did i found it entertaining he's it was so less great. convincing coming from aaron because he's such oh, an yeah, asshole aaron can go fuck himself right up a tree but when riley says he has no honor and i don't deal with dishonorable men <laughs> we stand a king riley like you sir you're delightful yeah, so the next morning... Oh, I have an award for the next morning. Well, and I was uh, just... I mean, by all means, I was just going to say, just to, to paint the picture, it's a pretty gray morning, and Chris is pacing the beach, considering walking into the water, um, and just being, to use a Gwen Kirbyism, a whiny little bitch. But what was your award? That was Chris on the beach gets the hungover Charlie Brown award. Because <laughs> he's... <laughs> what percentage is it like shame and what percentage of it is hangover i feel like it's like 50 50 (laughs) i feel like he's like oh god and also i think he's like man i was planning to dump jesenia but i just fucked myself like i like he's he's feeling hungover and ashamed and he knows that the new union the beach union is coming for him boy boy is it and i will say tammy gets the party started I give her an award for disproportion here where she just goes up to him and says, what did you do? I loved that. I felt like that was like, I was like, maybe they're friends. Because yeah. I feel like she was coming up to him and she was just like, you dumb motherfucker. What the fuck did you do? Yeah, I think I've I've done that to you several times when you were caught in a two-hour conversation at the bar with somebody that you shouldn't have started it with. I know. And look, you were right every time. I don't, I, some, there are some mistakes I don't learn from. So Alana then, again, immediately, no hesitation, no game theory. And it's worth noting, right, not only do y'all who don't watch the show not know who Alana is, we didn't know who Alana was either. No she was, idea. I, I don't even remember which season. She was there for one, like, one night, got sent home. And so this is her moment. She immediately asks Chris on a date. And, I mean, just, just amazing stuff going on. So he first has a conversation with Alana where he's basically trying to be like, this is not the way to do this, but I guess we're going to do this this way because we have no other fucking options. And then he tries to have a conversation with Jacinia, and Jacinia is just like, I don't need to talk to any of you motherfuckers. I love that. He's like, can I pull you away? And she's just like, no. Like, what the fuck yeah. would we talk about? This is so dumb. I'm not going to play this game with you. And then Chris gives this speech to everybody assembled, and he's just like, look, you know, I had a thing with Jacinia, but I have a spark with Atlanta, and I got to follow my heart. And everybody's looking at him like, 
dude, who are you? Who are you talking to? I know there are cameras here, but like, why don't you just do one of those little talking heads? Because like, I we love don't give it. A shit. And then Joe says, "Nope." Well, not too. Joe and his talking head says, "Nobody cares. Nobody needs to hear your speech. Nobody is really going to hate you because nobody cares about you." Yo, and Becca has a great moment where she just pantomimes him and she goes, I'm in love and I don't care if I piss everyone off. I'm going to follow my heart and like grabs Grocery Joe in the chest. It's really cute. Yeah. Um, And I, yeah, I actually, during that segment, I gave the enjoying not being the Bachelorette award goes to Becca. (laughs) Because I feel like she's finally like, I'm just going to fucking chill i'm gonna drink this cocktail i'm gonna gossip with my other ladies yeah so i guess i might kick it to you to try to summarize what happened with the mob only because we're already at the 40 minute mark and we need to be a little more concise than i'm capable of (laughs) like can you describe to our audience what took place when chris and elena get back from their date Ah, well, tell me if I've missed anything. My recall on this is basically they get back, and by this point, the the chivalry society has already (laughs) kind of made its decision. So Joe is like, Chris, get over here. Like, he's like, you know, his dad or something, and he goes over there, and he's just like, basically like, you fucked up, man. And then he's like, no, no, I just was going to follow my heart. And then Riley is like, you have no honor. And then Jacenia is like, get the fuck out of paradise. And then he's like, no, it's, no, guys, don't be mean to me. I'm a nobody. I just want to stay here and sell my yogurt. And they're like, get the fuck off this beach, asshole. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, no. Oh, I'm so hurt. So then he goes over to Alana being like, do you want to like Romeo and Juliet this situation? And she's like, no, motherfucker. I want to stay on this beach. And he's like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work out. And then they both drag their backpacks out behind them like children going to a timeout. But the best part is he tries to get into her fucking limo. And I love she says, that. This is not your car. This is not your car. And the look she gives him, like he's a, like he's a dead rat. They tried to like toss into the back seat with her. It doesn't speak volumes to how well their relationship is going to go or would have gone. Like clearly, they're trying to use each other for time on the island, but um, did not work out, and they no. were voted out by. By a bunch of assholes, and well, I'm no, not by well. Yeah, I mean, what are you talking about, Joe and yeah, Joe and Riley, yeah. the chivalry, oh, the chivalry brigade? I like they them were, both. They, yeah, yeah, they were voted out. Though, I mean, it does raise the question that I will say. So, for those in the, just letting the podcast listeners know, my wife Brett has started watching the show. Yay! And her feeling at the end, and this can pivot to a good, ma- an interesting macro question, is as sorry, I've already forgotten their names. That's how relevant they are. Elena and Chris are going to time out. Natasha is asking the question, this is the same shit as Brendan and Piper. Why are they still here? And my wife is snapping her fingers, pointing at the television, being like, preach, sister, preach, sister. So I guess my question is beyond what you've just said, that like some people like Brendan and Piper and nobody likes Chris and Alana or knows who they are. Do you think one set of predetermined here for the wrong reasoners was worse than the other? either in concept or execution? And do you think there was any justice to the tribal council voting Chris and Elena off and not Brendan Piper? Yeah, I think it's different. I think that, you know, Natasha, I don't think she was going to, she thought she was going to end up with Brendan, right? Like, whereas I think Jacinia legit like left Ivan because she really wanted to be with Chris. Like if, if we want to use like the blindsided O-meter I think Natasha was at like a two 
And, you know, Jacenio was at like an eight. But that said, you know, I just think it's about execution. And I think both groups fucked up their execution. I mean, I guess Chris did it really obviously in front of everyone. And Brendan did it a little bit more with like snarking quietly into his mic on a daybed. So I wonder if maybe the mob is just taking a little longer to get around to them slash yeah there i mean i think that if everyone on the beach had their way for the most part they would pretend that it hadn't happened because they like brendan and piper i don't think that they're going to get a chance to do that because i don't think that the producers are going to let it slide it's a weird situation right because there's no mechanism to to evict them other than peer pressure because they can just keep giving each other roses in perpetuity so ultimately it's up to the producers to decide how long they want those people there and i guess i guess you just don't need to escalate the drama with chris and alana because jacinia also already said get the fuck out of paradise yeah they got the clip for the promo so then they're just like okay great you guys and chris is just like boring i mean brendan at least is defiant Brendan at least is like sitting on the daybed cackling like a motherfucker. And Chris is like, like you said, hung over Charlie Brown, considering just wading into the Pacific and never coming back. Yeah. I mean, one couple is now like a power villain couple. And one couple is like two hungover people we've never met before and don't care about. So like, and if they're the same storyline, why keep them both? Yeah. I mean, to paraphrase Oscar Wilde, to have one clearly attention seeking couple is a misfortune, but to have two looks like carelessness. So you can't, you can't, you can't keep them both. Um, okay. I think we have just enough time to get into what's going on with Mary, Mari, Kenny and Demi. I think we do. I want to give a little quick, quick, quick award. That was a shout out to you, Dan. (laughs) Um, Becca, when she gets her date card, she says it's so late. It's past my bedtime, which caused her to get the Dan Paul at my party award. Goes to Becca. <laughs> Fair enough. And you know what? There's a whole bunch of kind of shit that happens that we'll we'll touch base with next episode. Yeah, next because episode. for our listeners, you know, there have been two two-hour episodes a week so far, but there will only be one two-hour episode a week going forward because now there's football on Monday nights. Um, I think actually it's because there's Dancing with the Stars on Monday night. Oh, my. Which I also well, I, don't watch. Yeah. I wonder which of these I'll be watching. But anyway, <laughs> here I am like trying to like be like whatever football is cooler than reality shows when in fact <laughs> I have – I am on a reality podcast and not a football podcast. So just a reminder, right, Kenny at first. Kenny, very tall, pretty gross, very stupid – Tattoos on his chest, famous for displaying his junk in public. Started this whole show with with Mari. Then basically Demi came in and stole Kenny from Mari. Then he had this brief date with Tia, who seems to have faded. Anyway, so it starts with him having this conversation with Mari. Basically, we're like, Mari's trying to get him back. And I will say this for Kenny, because he's basically saying, like, I don't really understand what's going on. I don't think he means that in terms of, like, Lord, what fools these mortals be. Like, look at the folly of human love. I think he just cognitively does not understand what is going on. Demi says, I am so sick of the stupid drama, which is like me saying that I am sick of stomach pain after (laughs) eating all of the cheese that I can find. But anyway, that's kind of the setup. And just the weirdest thing happens here. So Demi, this episode is weird for Demi because she's basically like begging him to stay with her. It's she awkward. tries to get him to the boom boom room several times. And she, she she says no, I know. which I have to see is one of the most shocking things I've ever seen on television. 
And she's upset. She says, I did not fight this hard just to get placed in his pocket. And he gets the quote of the week as far as I'm concerned. It's getting overwhelming to deal with everything. I've got Demi who's going to cut my throat and wear my face as a mask. And Mari, I don't even know right now. And I do have to say those two things are not the same. No, no, they are not the same. I, against all logic, kind of ended up feeling bad for Kenny during this. <laughs> I just feel like two women who are both smarter than him and yeah. like a thousand percent more burn it to the ground than him are fighting over him. And he's yeah. talking about Mari and he says, it's not like I don't trust her, but sort of. And he's just like, he's just like, I don't know what to do. He's like, all I wanted was to just, honestly, all he wanted was to just show up naked on the beach and be with Mari all summer. Like, I think that's legit. He would have been completely happy doing that. And somehow now he's having to turn Demi down for sex and she's going to wear his face as a mask. Like, I just think like Kenny is not cut out for this. And he did I don't think he was not, he wasn't trying to stir this drama up either. Mari was like, hey, I'm happy to date you until someone better shows up. And he's like, okay, well, that doesn't sound great. And then no one better showed up. And now Mari is like, it's been you since the beginning, Kenny. Like, Yeah, girl. she legit, to, 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 to quote Natasha, she Mari legit is trying to bay him up. Um, She has this conversation with him where she's like, basically like, I kind of fucked up. But like, I want to be with you. I want to be with you off the island. Like, let's be a thing. And then Demi has just the most awkward conversation with Kenny where he's just like, how could you like her and not me? She's not nice. She's mean. You're going to do this to me, someone who is so nice, for someone who is evil, <laughs> which seems like a stretch. And then yeah. Demi, says, Demi says, I feel like an idiot. And I'm thinking, yes, but not for the reason you're thinking. Like, you're not an idiot just because Kenny rejected you. Yeah. You're an idiot for being on the show. Hey, but she's not an idiot for being on this show. No one has used this show to their advantage more than Demi. Talk about someone who's bringing in the dollar dollar bills because she's well, on I'm, this show. I'm happy for her. She seemed upset. This guy literally was. took me into the boom boom room. You and Mari can both suck my ass. I'm going to burn this beach down. Which, like, I, I really love it as three lines. I was I was trying to see if I could squeeze it into a haiku, but there's it's too long. But it's a beautiful movement. You took me to the boom boom room. You and Mari can suck my ass. I'm going to burn this beach down. Promises, promises, Demi. Beautiful poetry coming from Demi. So at the end of the episode, we're more or less left with the idea that Kenny is now back with Mari. Demi does not really have anybody. And she's angry and capable of anything. Angry and capable of arson. Yeah. Also, for some reason in this section... I have a note that says, you know what? I don't really get grapes. I just don't really like grapes. Why is that in my notes? What am I doing with my life? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like grapes and I I fear for Demi. I love having Demi on the island, but I also felt really, really sad for her this episode. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where she she really only has one move and she lacks counter moves. Like her move is just like, she's, she's so strong when she's just like insanely confident to the point of being like mildly indifferent, no, my, not mildly, completely indifferent to any fallout for her just getting what she wants. Yep. And she's not good enough at the like 
the crying when she doesn't get what she wants. Like the better version of Demi would be the one that like already had a plan B and immediately pivoted to it instead of just being like, I don't understand that I didn't win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like I'm looking at this island and I'm thinking of like all of these women on the island who I like. And then I'm like, are there no men on this island? Like I'm legit like, like, of course she doesn't have a plan B. Like who would her plan B even be? Like it can't be well, Ivan because Ivan's a sweetheart. And like she doesn't want to – I mean no one wants to fuck Jason. Who gives like, a shit though? She's already been after Kenny. It's not like she's only interested in people who don't suck. Yeah, but Jason sucks in such a boring way. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because like it's just an object to her to just I like get, well, manipulate. I don't know. I See, I feel like this is what I love about Demi is I feel like on the one hand – She's, like, completely calculating, and on the other hand, her, like, emotions are truly invested in being hurt. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if she's just, like, oh, Jason, you know, Hitler youth haircut is just an object for me to manipulate. I feel like maybe she would be the first knight, but then everyone's like that the first knight. Yeah. The tough thing about for, I don't know, so many of these guys, I don't know, I just think of Game of Thrones where Tyrion is talking to Joffrey, and he's like, We've had dumb kings, and we've had cruel kings, but it's really hard when it's both. And I think that's... (laughs) I think that's Aaron's problem. I think that most of these people, with the exception of Ivan, except I would argue all of them with the exception of Ivan, are either cruel or stupid. And some are both. Brendan is both. Aaron is just cruel. Grocery Joe is just stupid. I think Kent. He's a little stupid. Or see, yeah, this is you've just been corrupted by Claire from Pittsburgh. I know, I know. Hundred percent, just a loyalty play. Whatever. Hi, Claire from Pittsburgh. I'm just saying, like, I mean, whatever. I wouldn't even call him stupid, but I'm not going to call him smart. I mean, like, again, this is a guy who discovered social media about 20 minutes ago. Well, that's fair. (laughs) But I would say for the most part, again, I just, I struggle to find somebody who's both sweet and smart besides Ivan. Um, Mm. And everybody else pretty much, pretty much goes one way, one way or the other. Um, But that, but again, it's not like Demi would be looking for somebody smart. Yeah, no, not really. Or like, you know, they're smart and then they're smart. Like, they're all smart enough for the most part. I don't know. Riley's a, a lawyer. He's obviously. A, oh, yeah. Riley. Riley. Like, yeah. Riley's a sweet and I smart. Guess. But Riley's also coupled mm. up. So it's like he's. Right. I always you know, he's Like, if you're just thinking of like the dudes who are single, it's kind of yeah. like, oh, yeah. I think of Riley as part of the chorus, to be honest. Yeah, like, I feel. That's fair. Like, and, and Noah has been less of a fuckboy than I thought he was going to be and also been a better narrator. Then I thought, I mean, maybe prob- partly the problem with this exercise is you actually have to write down the names of these motherfuckers before you can go through and decide, like, who you do and do not like. Yeah, I've forgotten, like, 50% of them. Basically, if they're, like, being smart and normal, they have not been on my screen, or they've just been narrating it, which t- totally makes sense. It feels like Carl was, like, 40 years ago. 500 million years ago. I was like, oh my god, week. he like, Jewelry Gate with him and Jason was last week. I have forgotten that they exist. Oh, man. Because everything, nothing can can stand up to to Piper Brendan Gate. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, I that mean, was listen, quite something. You live by the yogurt, you die by the yogurt. That's true. I mean, as yeah. I, that was amazing. Um, for our loyal listeners, we all look forward next week to talking about the Aaron Thomas-Becca dynamic. Um, spoiler alert, we're not on Aaron's side. So get ready. Yeah, no, we certainly, gosh, we certainly are not. We are not. And I don't, do you remember, whatever, we'll talk about it next week. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's not really time to get to get into this. But the good news for y'all is that there is only a three-phase process 
for us ending the podcast. The first phase <laughs> is to remind you to please reach out to us at batch underscore face on Twitter or resting batch face at gmail.com with the batch spelled like B-A-C-H Johan Sebastian Box last name. Phase two is to thank everybody for being with us through this process and um, for just being here, giving me an opportunity to structure my thoughts <laughs> about what has been a deeply emotional week. And then phase three is to just say, we'll catch you next week. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>